thanks guys for joining me. Thanks for being patient with me <clears throat> as I work through this, uh, really strange season that I'm in in my life. So I want to, uh, I, I want to share some things just to seed some things out there. <clears throat> some things that I've been thinking about. Again, talking about stuff that's above my pay grade, I'm sure. Uh, so I just want to, uh, I want you to think about today as sort of an appetizer to some ideas that are floating out there and gaining traction <clears throat> in the world that maybe you haven't thought about or considered before. And in no way am I trying to present this as truth that you need to accept. Uh, just trying to kind of look at things from a different perspective. So I don't know how many of you have uh, caught talks from Elon Musk about his belief and his idea that we are living inside of a reality simulation. But I want to I want to start there. <laughs> are we living in a in a simulation <clears throat> versus what Elon Musk calls base reality? And yeah, I've been watching some of his videos and talks on it. Uh, he did a show with Joe Rogan <clears throat> on Joe Rogan's pod- podcast, uh, one of the videos that I watched. But there's several of them out there. So if you're interested in this, you want to pursue it more, you can find it on YouTube with no problem. Um, but he didn't originate the idea. The idea originated with a philosopher uh, who teaches at uh, the University of Oxford named Nick Bostrom. I think it's Bostrom, maybe it's Bostrom. Uh, but he proposes in a paper that it's very possible that we are living not in base reality, but that we're, we are living inside of a computer simulation. So I don't know, you know, you think of movies, some of the older movies like The Matrix, The 13th Floor. Um, <clears throat> and so this has lots of ramifications. So how did Bostrom? Bostrom got there philosophically. And put it out there. And then what's interesting is that a lot of people that are on the cutting edge of technology, for example, Elon Musk, grabbed a hold of it and have been working on it and sort of developing it. And he's just one. He's probably the most um, notable one or the most famous one. And he's spoken, as I said, about it quite a bit. So Bostrom postulates three possibilities when it comes to technological societies. So his first hypothesis is that, well, he's beginning with the presupposition that the universe is too big and too old for this earth to be the only inhabited planet occupied by intelligent life. So he presupposes there are other societies, other intelligent life out in this giant universe that we find ourselves in. So his first hypothesis is that a technological society goes extinct before it reaches what he calls technological maturity. His second hypothesis is that a society is able to reach technological maturity, and I'll unpack this for you, that society is able to reach technological maturity but fails for some reason to create any kind of simulation or virtual reality. His third hypothesis is that a society reaches technological maturity, 
and develops very advanced virtual reality, reality simulation, and therefore would have created it. And if they had created it, then that opens the door for the possibility that we are living inside a simulation. Now, there's guys way smarter than me that have run, you know, engaged with these hypotheses and have run the statistical probabilities on each one of these hypotheses. And so Elon Musk says there's one in one billionth chance, this is his opinion, one in one billionth chance, one in a billion, that we are not living in some kind of a simulation, virtual reality. And when he's making the argument, he, he's saying this. He's saying, you know, 50 years ago, whatever it was, the first video came out, and it was uh, Pong. And it was just two little sticks and a dot that went back and forth. Some of you will be old enough to remember that. I know I certainly am old enough to remember that. And so he's looking at the technological advances from just the 1970s, from Pong to, let's say, something like uh, some of these video games that people play online, where you have millions of people playing a video game at the same time around the world that is much more like reality. And so when you take into effect that advances lead to advances, right, technological breakthroughs lead to technological breakthroughs, now we're getting into, into AIs, artificial intelligence. And so Elon Musk says, you know, conservatively, in the next 10 years, that technology will be available that will so accurately represent reality that there will be, you know, a virtual reality that will be indistinguishable from this reality. That's how real it'll be. <laughs> so basically these guys are looking at the direction that humanity has gone in technology and simulating reality with virtual reality, that kind of stuff, and postulates that there are other societies that would have gained the same technology but might be thousands of years ahead of us in terms of developing and building upon this technology. Now let's go back to the three hypotheses. So the first hypothesis is a hypothesis is that a civilization goes extinct before it reaches technological maturity. And if every civilization goes extinct before it reaches technological maturity, then they argue that we are not that far away from extinction because we're on the verge of being able to develop the kind of technology that it would take to so accurately simulate virtual reality that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between virtual reality and this reality. The second hypothesis is that societies or civilizations can reach technological maturity <clears throat> but don't ever simulate or create this sort of virtual reality type simulation, which then begs the question, why would humanity 
again, this is presupposing other civilizations based on the age of the universe, then why would we be the first ones to come up with that? So these guys find those two possibilities to be extremely improbable, and this is where the they run the statistics on it. So the third possibility then, at least in the minds of these guys, is that there have been societies that reach technological maturity and have created incredible simulations, and therefore the possibility exists that we are living inside a simulation. <laughs> I hope I did. <coughs> hope I didn't lose you on that. And some physicists uh, have jumped on the bandwagon with that because they say that. You know, if, if you've studied anything, even just a little bit about quantum physics, you know that quantum physics contradicts Newtonian physics. That what we see at the macro level operates with completely different laws than what we see at the microscopic or the quantum level. <clears throat> and they say that if it was a simul- simulation, that that's a glitch, sort of. You could call it like a glitch in the matrix, that that's how we can discover that we are actually living inside of a simulation. So I want to um, come at this and look at it from a little bit different perspective. What if we are living inside a simulation, but it's not a computer simulation? It's more like an organic Simulation. So I've shared uh, the videos of Dr. Donald Hoffman, shared a number of those, had a number of talks about Dr. Donald Hoffman and his understanding of what he calls the case against reality. And I don't want to uh, belabor that point or go over that again, but I think most of you watching have probably heard me talk about this or seen the videos. And so at, at the end of the day, what Dr. Hoffman is saying and what most neuroscientists are saying is that the brain is a reality simulator itself. That what we see, we see because of this and we see it actually in here. You almost think about the brain like a virtual reality headset. And Dr. Hoffman goes so far as to say what we experience as you know, solid, what we see, what we feel, what we taste, what I experience uh, in this cup of coffee, that this cup of coffee actually doesn't exist as this cup of coffee. It's my brain is simulating. I'm interacting with something, something objective, but it looks, feels, tastes nothing like what's actually there. So he's saying we don't live inside reality. He's He's getting to the same place as Elon Musk, and Bostrom, he's just coming at it from a completely different perspective that the brain simulates reality for us as we move through whatever is what Elon Musk calls base reality. Now, I hope you're tracking with me because first time I heard this theory, this was about uh, five, six years ago. We went to a Greg Braden conference and we were introduced to this idea and it was, it was, uh, so far outside of my religious paradigm, 
at the time for sure that I just, I had to put it on the shelf, couldn't get my mind around it. And then I just came across, uh, Elon Musk talk this week and it got me thinking again. And then of course the, the Hoffman stuff. So, so here's the problem for neuroscientists is that, and, and here's something else that I think needs to be brought into the equation. Cause again, these guys are assuming that the science, I guess is the way to say it, the science of physical matter and reality is all there is. And so we're on this certain trajectory towards virtual reality. So therefore, or reality simulation. So therefore other technological societies that we're advancing would follow the same track and keep going the same direction. But one of the greatest mysteries still to scientists is what is consciousness itself. So in other words, even, you know, let's say atheistic or um, neuroscientists that believe that this physical world is all that matters and all that there is, all that matters. Did you catch a pun there? <laughs> and so they would say that your brain cells and the neurons and the chemicals in the brain create consciousness itself. But most neuroscientists are honest enough to say that they have no idea how these biological and organic processes that take place in the brain, there is no precedent anywhere that they can find in science that would say these molecular functionings that are going on with the cells in the brain would translate to the experiences that we have. In other words, it doesn't explain the taste of a cup of coffee. It doesn't explain the feeling you get when you kiss. All that kind of stuff. It doesn't explain the awe you feel when you're looking at the beauty of a sunset or the pain that you feel when you're going through some difficult or trying situation that you're suffering through. So what if... And again, I'm just seeding this idea, but what if these technologically advanced civilizations or cultures really penetrated the mysteries of consciousness? And so this brings us back to a lot of people are teaching today from a spiritual perspective that everything is actually consciousness. Everything is consciousness, or in the beginning was consciousness, or in the beginning was the Logos, in the beginning was the Word, and that we are aspects of that consciousness. So this would be, you know, perhaps spirituality, what we call spirituality, is just an expanded or an elevated sense of consciousness, or an expanded or elevated sense of awareness. and. What if these bodies are really like the avatars? And again, the brain is an organic reality simulation. And we exist with a higher self that has inserted itself, or at least part of itself, part of its consciousness. This is what I'm going to postulate. That we have...
we have an existence. We have a consciousness. We have an awareness. The being that we are in reality, in base reality, the being that we are is much, much greater than the human being that you think you are. So you, you can look at it this way. If you, if you put in, if you can go into a game, a virtual reality game, one of the ways that professional athletes are practicing now, uh, I remember when Drew Locke, uh, the Denver Broncos quarterback last year got injured. He was uh, connected to a virtual, virtual reality, not just headset, but probes and various different things that was simulating game action. And that's how he was practicing was through these simulators that simulate the reality of the game and make it real enough that uh, it's almost like they're playing the game, right? What I'm suggesting is that, but but here's the difference. When he would put on the virtual reality stuff, his entire consciousness was focused. In other words, he didn't have a self outside himself observing himself play, <laughs> So what I'm saying is, what if consciousness, what if the beings that we are, is able to split consciousness and go into the video game, so to speak, go into the virtual reality, but also have awareness, not only of what's going on here, but have a greater awareness of whatever else is out there. Now, one of the things with consciousness, consciousness too, is that... um Lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right, let me just back up. So, in other words, what I'm saying, like, like, to use the Bible, the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, a lot of other spiritual traditions use the term of the higher self. So, what if the higher self has a much bigger, more expanded, greater awareness and does not exist in this simulation, but is able to insert part of its consciousness into us in this simulation to be connected, to have a connection to the game, a connection to this life, but also keep some sense of awareness outside of that. But what if this little piece of consciousness that is inserted inside this reality simulation gets so caught up in this reality simulation that it loses its sense that it is much greater than this and that it is connected to this. And maybe this loss of consciousness isn't so much separation, like we talk about it. You know, people that talk about the ego and say the ego is that which gives the sense of separation. So what if this aspect, this piece of the higher self's consciousness that's put into this physical body, into this simulation, loses its sense of connection to the being that it is, the higher self? And whatever else exists. I remember what I was going to say. It's amazing enough that these neurons in our brain, molecules and cells, can 
simulate external reality, which is what Dr. Hoffman and others are saying. But we can also create our own virtual reality with our imagination. Now, we don't live in a society where we develop imagination. And unfortunately, the more we go into virtual reality, the less likely it becomes that we will develop our imagination, the ability to simulate reality by closing our eyes and imagining something. But I want you to consider this. Everything about us as human beings has existed as potential that we then choose to develop or manifest. So, for example, you have the potential to learn as a baby. You have the potential, most of us, to learn to read. You have the potential to learn mathematical computations. You have the potential to develop intellectually and rationally. And we send you to a school for at least 12 years to bring, to maximize that potential, to teach you how to use your brain to think logically, to read, study history, to do all that stuff. What would happen if simultaneous to that, there had been a school that taught us how to develop the potential of our imagination? I mean, think about it. If to, to uh, you know, human beings even 200 years ago, the world we're living in now is the result of the development of the rational, logical, thinking, cognitive mind, right? So it, get de- it gets developed to such a point that we can have things like virtual reality. But if that had never been developed, if it had never been pushed, if it had never been stretched, if the potential there had never been tapped, and it hadn't consistently been passed down from generation to generation, then we wouldn't know what the human intellect is capable of. So I'm suggesting the same thing with the imagination. What if it were possible for us to so develop our imagination after years of training that we wouldn't need virtual reality, we could create our own sort of virtual reality. And so how do you explain the conscious ability to simulate reality, sorry, the unconscious ability to simulate reality out here and the conscious ability to simulate a totally different reality in here? And so I'm just talking about the potential of various aspects of the mind or of consciousness. And so what if what's really going on in the spiritual journey or one of the targets or one of the purposes of the spiritual journey is to break out of the limited consciousness that believes that it's only the simulation or that it's only living in the simulation. And what if there was a way to free the mind, to free the consciousness, so that it can connect with and become aware of who it is outside the simulation, the totality of who it is, 
or the higher self meeting the simulated consciousness, the consciousness that's in the simulation. Let me say it differently. The simulated consciousness meeting the higher self, because the higher self is completely aware. The higher self didn't lose itself. But what if we lost ourselves in sort of this organic, simulated reality? And what spiritual teachers have been trying to say to us in different ways throughout the ages is that we need to free our minds. We need to free our consciousness from believing that this is all we are or that this reality is all it is. And those who can break out and reconnect consciously with the higher self, with the being that you are and whatever else is out there that we're unaware of, then creates the potential to completely hack the simulation and hack the system. And maybe that explains why there was a Jesus that could do miracles or why, you know, I mean, miracles, healings have been documented in every culture, every civilization. Uh, in fact, healings were so common in the Greco-Roman world, miraculous, what we would call today miraculous type healings, were so common that they weren't Jesus and whoever else was doing the healings was not that different. Um, he could cast out demons, but you have examples in scripture of other exorcists. The one thing when he heals the man born blind, that miracle stands out because they say, who's ever done such a thing? We've never heard of a man who was born blind receiving their sight. So this then means that there were other miracle workers and other healers. They'd seen these guys do other kinds of healings. They just had never seen one on this particular level. So somehow I wanted to bring this in. Um, I think I'll save it. I think I'll save it for next week because it's going to open a whole other can of worms and I don't want to be on as long today. <clears throat> and I don't want to give you too much information to think about. But so what if our, our spiritual practices, meditation, prayer, using the law of attraction, um, spiritual practices that are taught in various different Lineages, whether it be shamanic lineages of indigenous cultures or whether it be uh, the um, mystery schools of Egypt and the mystery schools of the Greco-Roman time period would teach rituals. Uh, They would have various levels of initiation and the purpose of the levels of initiation was to learn how to so alter the consciousness as to escape the sense to escape being stuck in the simulation and escape the sense that this is all there is and so what if part of the spiritual journey, what if a major, major part of the spiritual journey 
is not so much, like I said, doing the law of attraction or creating the reality that you want for yourself. But what if we shift our focus away from that, shift our focus towards connecting, really genuinely connecting with what we call our higher self or from a Christian perspective, the self that is seated in the heavens in Christ. That there's a way to be aware of this simulated reality, but also to escape it, to connect with the being that we are and experience based reality. Or what if there are multiple levels of simulations <laughs> that we are living? I mean, the, the, this is all just idea, right? I'm just serving up an appetizer, not the meal. I, I'm not. Like I said, I don't want you to take this as truth. I just want to make you think about all the various different possibilities that this creates. Now, I do want to say this. The, the, the biggest piece when the, the, during my deconstruction from my former belief systems that I was so locked into that I believe I had to escape from in order to possibly be on this path and this journey to connecting to my higher self and to base reality and whatever. You know, it kind of happened in stages. The biggest piece for me was not, okay, the Bible doesn't teach hell like we think it teaches hell. It wasn't philosophically running through would a loving God create humanity, put them in a garden, cause them to fall into a delusion by eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then place a curse upon them and put them in a world of suffering and then save us by sending a person, sending himself before there was the technology to verify or validate that this person existed, (laughs) but make it completely like we are completely disconnected from 33 or 30 AD or ACE, as it's called now. Like what happened at the cross and the resurrection. So at the end of the day, every Christian stream, except I guess the universalists, would say that you come to saving faith by not connecting with a different reality altogether, not by connecting with the higher self that's in Christ, not realizing that Christ is in you. All that stuff's in Paul's teachings, right? But the church has told us you don't come into salvation that way. You come into salvation by believing a historical event. So at the end of the day, God is saving people from that perspective and viewpoint. God is saving people and sending them to heaven or damning them to hell based on whether or not They got their history lesson right. And that philosophically kind of like what kind of God? How is that an all wise, all loving plan? Um, And I I can hear my Christian friends saying, well, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And it's just a mystery. But at the end of the day, it's just your perspective because you were born into a Christian society or family. And so you were programmed to believe that's part of the simulation. What if religion is part of the simulation 
And until you can break out of those belief systems that you were essentially incubated in, in the West, breaking out of that is a necessary part of expanding the consciousness and the spiritual journey and actually finding truth and connecting with what really is and what's really out there. So I went through all these different phases. But the biggest shift happened for me when I started to look at creation. What some of the ancient mystics of the church called the book of creation. It's not a book like, uh, I don't have a book in front of me. It's not a book that you read. But they're saying you can look at creation and by reading creation, understanding creation, you can understand the nature of God. You can understand purpose, the purpose and the plan and all that stuff. And so when I began to consider creation, that's when everything blew apart for me. And Matthew Fox in his book, The Original Blessing, Throughout the book, he compares and contrasts what he calls creation spirituality. Spirituality whose philosophy begins at the point of creation and with creation and the fact that God blessed his creation. So original blessing, that this is a blessing, this creation in which we live, this simulation, if it is a simulation, in which we live is actually a blessing and not a curse, that it's actually blessed and not cursed. And if we begin there, rather than with what St. Augustine called original sin, eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there is a curse pronounced on the man, the woman, and the serpent, but never on creation, um, it was a curse upon the man that God said the ground will produce thorns and thistles, and by the sweat of your brow, you will cultivate it. Nowhere does God ever remove the blessing from creation. And so that shifted a lot for me because I thought, well, then maybe we can trust creation. And if there is this book of creation where we can try to understand the nature of God, even if it's a simulated reality, But if it's true that by looking at the creation, you can understand the creator, then understand there was no human mediation in creation. It came straight out of the source or straight out of God or straight out of the creator. Whereas the scriptures, it's not the word of God because God didn't write it. It's the words of men about God. And if we could get that, that would save us a lot of trouble, right? So the church spirituality, Western spirituality, and Christian, predominantly Christian spirituality, begins or or is based on, begins at the fall. So it's sin-fall redemption spirituality versus creation spirituality. Two different starting points, two totally different perspectives. So by engaging in that seriously and thinking about creation, I just want to throw this out because it, it, 
it speaks to the point of it's possible that there are other and have been other technologically advanced societies. I want you to think about God. God's great plan was to create man in his image and have him rule and reign with him, reflect his glory and all that stuff. Man messed it up because they ate at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God had to redeem us by sending Jesus to die for us. And then if you believe this, you can have relationship with God, although I'm not sure they really know what that means, except to say that they have some sense that God is with them and God is God's providence is over their life and that they're eternally secure. But basically, then it just becomes all about the next life, going to Bible studies, listening to devotionals or watching teachings. And then when you die, you know, when we all get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory, right? That's all the further that spiritual path takes us. Now, if you were Pentecostal or charismatic, then there was a second work of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that connected you to things like gifts of the Spirit. But gifts of the Spirit are momentary manifestations of something coming from that higher realm. Word of knowledge, a momentary message that lets you know something. Word of wisdom message, a momentary message that lets you have wisdom. The working of miracles, a, a momentary working or demonstration of power that creates change in the natural order of things. But, and then, you know, love, love your neighbor. So it gives you a moral code, a philosophy, but it doesn't really do much to help you heal what we call the shadow self or the wounded parts of ourselves, traumatic events that have happened to us in our lives, not real full healing, maybe comfort. And it doesn't really help you open your mind or your consciousness to union with God. You've got to wait for that. Or an awareness and expansion of knowledge and of all that is, right? So I want you to consider something. So this was God's plan. God's plan was man. That, that was the apex. That's what God was aiming for was humanity. That's what the Bible says. But what, what does creation tell us? So they estimate that the universe is 14 and a half billion years old. And of that 14 and a half billion years, I think the earth is like four or five billion years old. And then I think the best estimates say that mankind is, I'm probably getting this wrong. Uh, I want to say a few hundred thousand years for homo sapiens. I want you to think about that. Now we throw out the word billion and the average person has no concept of how long a period of time, just one billion is. You you know, our government throws out ideas that they're going to invest. What what was the bill that was trying to get passed or whatever they're working on right now, the infrastructure bill, $3 trillion? (laughs) So we hear these numbers, but we can't comprehend how big they actually are. So... 
let's do this. Let's break it down a little bit. A billion of anything, dollars, years, whatever, cells, is 1,000 million. So that is a million 1,000 times. So if you want to become a millionaire, even a multimillionaire, let's say, let's say you have $50 million. The difference between you with $50 million and a person who is a billionaire is exponential. Because you just collected a million dollars 50 times. To get to a billion, they collected a million dollars a thousand times. So it really is true that the vast majority of power and resources in this world are in the hands of a very few who are elite. All right, but let's come back to time. Fourteen and a half billion. So fourteen and a half thousand million years. Four point five billion. You get where I'm going. And Jesus, the reality of Jesus historically being born, dying, and resurrecting, 2,000 years. So that begs the question, if we're going to base our (coughs) spirituality on sinfall and redemption, then spirituality, God's plan, God's big plan, has only been in effect for 2000 years and you got some people saying well this is the end you know this is this is the end so here's the question i have what was god doing for 14 and a half billion years just sitting around waiting for the time he could send jesus So when we think about that expanse of time, like what's been going on, you know? And uh, and then you look at the diversity that is in creation, this simulation in which we live, if, it, if it's a simulation. There's so much diversity in the mineral kingdom. There's so much diversity in the plant kingdom. So much diversity in... The animal kingdom, the insect kingdom. There's diversity within the cells and functions of your own body. What does that tell us about God? How is it that, see, if we begin with creation spirituality, then we begin with this, the creation itself being so vast, so unsearchable, there's so much that we don't know that we don't know. And there's so, like nothing has to be the same. But in sinful redemption spirituality, it all has to be the same. And when I began to see this, the diversity of creation and the expanse of creation and the time period of creation and chose to start at the beginning rather than at the fall, the creation of man and at the fall. I just couldn't make any sense at all out of the way the faith had been 
presented, right? So all of that to say that if, if we move away from sinful redemption spirituality, then all these other possibilities for reality exist. And perhaps there is a higher self, perhaps there is base reality, and we are just the avatars and we sort of lost ourselves in this reality simulator that we're living in. And maybe we need to set our intention, change our approach, set our intention to whoever created this simulation or however this simulation was created. What if we presuppose that it's a blessing and we presuppose that there is some purpose or meaning behind engaging in this? And now suddenly, perhaps every event in your life is not just some random event. But perhaps every event in your life has some purpose. And perhaps the, the pain and the suffering that we experience when we do die finally, when this simulator, we put off this simulation and this aspect of consciousness hopefully <laughs> comes into contact with this higher self, then to the higher self, it's probably like us Waking up from a dream, right? I had a really bad dream last night. I didn't, but, you know, just those times I had a really bad dream last night. Phew! Thank God that was just a dream. But what if rather than, again, a dream can just be random, right? Can't make sense out of it. But what if this whole thing isn't random? What if everything that you've been through has some sense of meaning, has some purpose? And to take the pressure off of you, because I, I can hear you, you know, like, how? How do we connect? How do we connect with higher self? Well, it starts with the intention to do that, the pursuit of it. But what if because although you may not be conscious of the higher self, the higher self is most certainly, if these premises, propositions, and hypotheses that I'm presenting are true about the higher self and us living in some kind of a simulation, be it a computer simulation or an organic one for some reason. I, I kind of tend to think it's more of an organic simulation. <clears throat> In other words, based on biological principles rather than computer principles. But what the higher self hasn't lost connection. <laughs> so whatever you're supposed to gain as you go through this, as you play the game, as you play the simulation, whatever you're supposed to gain, it's not lost on the higher self, even if it's lost to your momentary split of consciousness. So I hope that was interesting. Again, if you want to explore it more, just, you know, put Elon Musk reality simulation into YouTube. There's lots of stuff out there. Donald Hoffman, <clears throat> lots of stuff out there. And I'm sure there's others. Put your comments in. If you know, what do you think about this? Maybe you have more understanding on this topic than I do, or you bring a different perspective. Um, put it in the comments uh, because of the problems I've been having. I haven't been spending a lot of time uh, on my phone at all. But it's it, and it's been nice. It's been really good to break away from that reality simulation um, and just kind of get some of the negativity. <clears throat> Uh, that you pick up from social media, like washed out of my own 
essence. So anyway, if you watch this, thank you for watching it. Please share your comments uh, below. Thank you so much. I, I just honor you and love you and appreciate you for spending this time with me. And uh, hopefully, as we used to say, Lord willing, I will see you um, on here next week. And like I said, there will be some new stuff that we'll be bringing out, but it's just the rollout is taking forever. And <clears throat> my issues I've been dealing with has been part of that setback. So um, anyway, God bless you. Uh, namaste. And uh, peace.